a reading from Matthew. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Please be seated. Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? I imagine the messenger finding Jesus and asking this question on behalf of John the Baptist. It seems a benign, simple enough question, but this morning I want to put the earnestness and desperation behind this question that I think it deserves, because John was asking this question from prison. Prison. Just last week, we heard John speaking out from the wilderness, calling people to turn back to God to get ready for a new kingdom and a new leader. He'd spoken of how unbelievably powerful this leader would be, and he seemed to believe that Jesus was the one who would accomplish all this, heard in the exchange that they had together before John baptized him. Then, if we keep reading on in Scripture, Jesus' ministry took off with some healing, tons of teaching about the law, and then a lot more healing. And somewhere in that time, John had spoken out against Herod, a political leader, and he'd spoken out against him for breaking God's law. And of course, Herod loved that, so uh, not liking being called out, he decided to silence John, and he had the power to do it, so he sent him to prison, where John had a lot of time to think. So from prison, John sent the question to Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Like so many others, John's waiting for the Messiah meant something very specific. He expected a political powerhouse to come and forcefully take the kingdom back from the Romans. That's not a strange assumption. That's not totally out of the realm of what was appropriate. It's, it's what happened in the Old Testament stories, and it's what the people thought they were waiting for, a king, a king who would come restore the glory of Israel and God's reign through military might. That's the way that it worked. Surely, surely a king who is coming to to take back God's law and rule from God's law, surely that kind of king would release John from prison since he was sent there for keeping that law. 
But John had heard in prison that Jesus' ministry so far had consisted of healing and teaching and little to no toppling of empires. You can see why John might have been a bit desperate, maybe even a little bit confused. John staked his life on the trust that Jesus was coming to shake things up and help God's people get back on top as in former days. Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Do you hear the fear? John might as well have asked, is the liberation of God's people from oppression coming or not? Is my liberation coming or not? Jesus, we've put our hope and our expectation, all of our eggs in your basket, so which is it? Are you the warrior that we've been waiting for, who's gonna spring into political action any second now, or do we have to start over? Should we be waiting for somebody else? And it's not that John was wrong about Jesus ushering in a new kingdom, about Jesus being the life-changing, empire-toppling Messiah that they'd been waiting for, about Jesus bringing freedom. However, like so many others, back then and today, John was just so unaware of how differently Jesus would operate from expectations. And Jesus' response made that very clear, that he defies all expectations. His response to John, people were looking for a military leader, for a show of strength, and this was Jesus' answer. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news brought to them. Jesus quoted the Isaiah text that we heard today, using these examples to say that God was at work exactly how God intended to be among the people who most needed it. So Jesus did confirm he was the one coming from God, but that they were looking for the wrong kind of leader and following the wrong kind of mission. John made it pretty clear in his proclamations he was looking for a Messiah of judgment and might. But Jesus' purpose was new life, hope, and healthy relationship with God and community. And his plan was to do it in a much more subtle and subversive way. Jesus would be at work with a world refused to work or refused to even believe that work was needed in the first place. That meant focusing on those who were on the bottom. It meant addressing systems that kept the poor poor and the hungry hungry. It meant making sure the sick could find healing when care had been denied or seemed impossible. It meant welcoming and lifting up outsiders who had been intentionally kept invisible and powerless. It meant showing a whole new way of living together well in the world, not burning it to the ground. And if Jesus was going to declare judgment, it was going to be to the people at the top, but even then, it wasn't for vengeance sake. Judgment was doled out for the purpose of repentance, change, redemption. Nobody was going to be left out of Jesus' love. In other words, those with all the earthly power and status and resources would also be liberated, but that freedom could only happen through refinements refinement of values, 
viewpoints, priorities. Liberation of the rich, of those in the inner circle, of those with access to the good life, liberation for them would be an invitation to share those resources around, to let go of the death grip on power they had so that others had a say in the world too, to worry less about how one individual could gain and accomplish as much as they could and wonder more about the common good where everyone could have their needs met. But those kinds of shifts and changes and refinements, those can feel like destruction. Those can feel like judgment. They can be scary because they require a lot of change and a lot of soul searching. But on the other side of them lies true peace, less fear, integrity, faithfulness, and a far more meaningful existence in community. So in that way, judgment from Jesus was actually quite loving, even if it doesn't immediately feel or look that way. And of course, not everybody would be open to that sort of judgment. Not everybody would see it as liberation then or today. Many of us fight back tooth and nail when asked to share what we believe is rightfully ours. We say that only kids do that, but let's be honest. We all do it. In fact, I suspect many people, and I will own this first if I'm being painfully self-aware, hoped that Jesus' response to John would be more like this. Go and tell John what you see. The rich are kept comfortable. The majority are secured in their privilege. The self-righteous are assured that their views are the best. The status quo is kept, and I'm about to come and squash all those who disagree with you. Alas, Jesus never was and never will be what is expected of him. And I'm sad to say, this story doesn't end like a happy movie for John. We'll find out later in Matthew that Herod had him killed. We know that Jesus would be killed by the reigning power that he was judging toward redemption as well. See, God's kingdom doesn't promise ease doesn't promise prosperity. It doesn't even promise a long life on this earth. And that is really hard to wrap our heads around, especially if we are going to claim to be followers of that same Messiah. So it's why at Advent time, we cry out with the same desperation as John, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We beg, we hope, we wait expectantly for Jesus to return to more permanently establish God's kingdom on earth, even if we know it will require refinement even in our hearts. And yet, John's story was, wasn't for naught. Even though John was killed, even though the powers that be have rarely chosen to relinquish them, even though there are still people on top and people on bottom, I don't think John lost hope and we need not either. We see God at work in the world. For those who experience hunger, poverty, exclusion, oppression, violence, and hate, we know Jesus is at work. He is still the Messiah of liberation. For those who encounter brokenness in any way, we still see healing occurring around us, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And like John, People who suffer from an unjust system can trust that the kingdom has begun and that God cares deeply about those 
who suffer. God doesn't sit afar like some cold king, but comes close like a comforting mama and holds those who hurt, cradling them in love and light. If you've ever been down, no doubt you've experienced that. Jesus is at work. And for those who have most of their needs met, for those who have access to resources, for for those whose voices are considered in public opinion, Jesus is still at work there too. He is still the Messiah of judgment for the sake of redemption. If one is willing to live a life of integrity and purpose and faithfulness, then ears can still be opened to hear the mission. Eyes can be opened to see God's image in neighbors and enemies. Feet can be sent for works of service. Hearts can be opened in a way that affects real change in the world. And for all intents and purposes, the dead can be raised to new life even now. Instead of choosing the way of Herod, the way of violence, revenge, and othering, people with privilege can choose the way of Jesus, the way of welcome, generosity, and love. And all of us together, no matter which category we find ourselves in or if we somehow are in both with all of the intersectionality of life, we can be assured that Jesus is, in fact, the one we are waiting for. He has come. We remember that every year at Christmas. He is with us, Emmanuel, God with us now, and he will come again in faithfulness, defying expectations, but bringing exactly what we need, the kingdom of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that Jesus is exactly who we are to be waiting for. And even though we don't fully understand why the kingdom isn't here at its fullest, we trust that it's working. When we open our eyes, we see it around us. Help us to join that work and to wait with hope, to wait with joy, to wait with expectation for the day that the kingdom comes in its fullest and we see one another as your beloved children living in your light. Amen.